Warning, this podcast contains graphic descriptions of violent events and offensive language. It may be disturbing for some listeners. In four days, I'll watch a man die. My name is Jeremy Campbell, and I am a journalist. I was asked to serve as the media witness for the execution of a man convicted of murder. His attorneys are still fighting it, even this week. But unless they convince a very small group of people to overrule, including the U.S. Supreme Court, I'll be in the room when Marion Wilson Jr. becomes the 1500th person executed in the United States since our country reinstated the death penalty. Full disclosure, I don't want to see this. The idea of seeing a person put to death, it's horrific to me. But I always said if I was asked to serve as a media witness, I'd do it. And that request came into my inbox just a few days ago. Four days from now, I'm scheduled to watch. It's death by lethal injection. And this is not something I feel comfortable witnessing without learning everything I can about the man being put to death, his crime, the victim, and the controversy over the death penalty in America. I promise not to hold back telling you what I see inside the execution chamber. It's a space no recording devices are allowed. And I also promise not to hold back in sharing everything I find in the next four days. His father hasn't spoken often about that night, but we did find interviews from our sister station, WMAZ. They talked to his dad and other family members more than 20 years ago. It was in front of this house just after 10 o'clock Thursday night that gunshots rang out. The people inside ran out and found 24-year-old Donovan Corey Park lying in the middle of the street, a gunshot blast to his head. Baldwin County deputies think Park was shot during a robbery and carjacking. Park, a corrections officer from Milledgeville, died from the wound. This is really a classic whodunit homicide. Now police say they know who did it. Two members of the Milledgeville Folks Gang, 19-year-old Marion Wilson and 18-year-old Robert Butts. Deputies believe they're the ones who shot and killed Officer Donovan Corey Parks, stole his car, drove it to Macon, and torched it. The majority of the people in our community felt like this was... uh, It appeared to them it was more of a gang-type initiation. And they may be right. Both people are known, uh, members of the Folk Nation gang, uh, and we're talking to the prosecutors about that. And this adds a more severe penalty uh, to any offense if it is gang-related. It's a growing problem in Macon. It's been a problem here for some time. Uh, It's a national phenomenon. But these officers say gangs won't take over their community. In a case like this, where it looks like there were no no leads, uh, nothing, when you can quickly resolve that case, it sends a clear message to the uh, criminal community that no matter how, how well they try to cover their tracks, burning up evidence or whatever. However, this case wasn't quickly resolved. That report was from 23 years ago. And during all of that time, the family of the victim, Donovan Parks, says that they've struggled to find closure waiting on this death sentence. This is the week they've waited for, for more than two decades, to watch as the death sentence is finally carried out. March 28th. That's the night that changed everything. 
for the Parks family. It was a quiet spring evening after church in 1996. It was a Thursday in a small Georgia town. And if you know much about small southern towns, you understand that no matter the night of the week, chances are the local Walmart is about the busiest place you can be. And that's where Donovan, a Jehovah's Witness, went after his meeting at the Milledgeville Kingdom Hall. The church was right across the street from the house he shared with his recently widowed father. Parks worked as a prison guard, just like his dad. Respect for the law runs deep in this family. Donovan was off-duty. He was dressed in his civilian clothes that night when he entered the Walmart in Milledgeville at 9.30. He'd just left a church meeting, and he was checking a few items off his list before heading home for the night. It was a quick trip for the 25-year-old. He'd parked in the fire lane because Donovan was expecting to be in and out of Walmart within a few minutes. After all, he only needed to grab a few things. At 9.50 p.m., Donovan Parks gave the cashier about $8 for four cans of cat food, tropical fish food, soap, and cocoa butter. Marion Wilson Jr. and Robert Butts appeared in the line behind him. Butts was waiting to pay for a 20-cent pack of Wrigley's gum. But according to the prosecutor on this case, that's not what he really came there for. Later, the prosecutor told jurors that the two teens were shopping for someone to kill. Marion Wilson was 19, Robert Butts was 18, and investigators say they targeted Donovan Parks, hoping to make a statement for their gang, the Folk Nation. Standing in that Walmart checkout line, the two of them started chatting with Donovan. Witnesses would describe the conversation as simple, no cause for any alarm. But it was in that checkout line where Wilson asked Donovan for a ride. All three of them piled into his 1992 Acura Vigor sedan. It was blue. Robert Butts was sitting up front. Marion Wilson reportedly got into the back seat. And after just 16 minutes driving through the unassuming streets of Milledgeville, the car stopped. They were on a desolate stretch of road about six miles away from the Walmart and not too far away from the house where Robert Butts lived. It was there in that perfectly normal neighborhood where Donovan's body was found face down in the middle of the street. He was dead. Wilson, Butts, and the Acura were gone. When officers asked neighbors if they saw or heard anything, a couple of witnesses remembered seeing bright lights. It turns out those were the Acura's headlights. But more than one person reported that they thought they heard a car backfire. That loud bang was a gunshot. It was a bullet that went into Donovan's head and ended his life right there in the road without so much as a warning. According to court testimony, one of the men pulled out a sawed-off shotgun during their drive and ordered Donovan to pull over. He did, and he got out of the car in a neighborhood that was lined with family homes. That's when one of the men grabbed Donovan by his necktie and forced him to lie down, firing one single shot directly to the back of Donovan's head, execution-style. Wilson and Butts took off in their car and they just kept driving it. They showed up on security footage getting gas. Eventually, they made it to Atlanta where they tried to sell Donovan's Acura to a chop shop to get rid of the evidence and make some money in the process. But after several tries, it just wasn't working out. So they drove to Macon, 
parked the car behind a huddle house and doused it in gasoline, then lit it on fire. The flames were still lingering along the edges of the car when police and firefighters showed up. Even torched, it didn't take investigators long to figure out that it was Donovan Park's missing Acura underneath all that blackened metal. Having ditched the car and they thought all the evidence of the crime, Wilson and Butts called a ride back to the Milledgeville Walmart. It turns out they rode to the store together and they had a car all along. No one actually needed a ride from Donovan Parks. The two just drove away from Walmart the exact same way that they had arrived. And in the meantime, they had shopped for someone to kill, just like the DA said. But neither realized that they'd left a trail along the way. In the end, it was security cameras at a gas station that tied both men directly to the stolen car. It was that footage that helped lead to their conviction. About a year and a half after Donovan Parks was found dead in the road, both Robert Butts and Marion Wilson were sentenced to death on a slew of charges. Malice murder, felony murder, armed robbery, hijacking a motor vehicle, possession of a firearm during the commission of a crime, and possession of a sawed-off shotgun. That was 1997. It's now 2019. Marion Wilson is scheduled for execution just four days from today. If his execution goes through, he'll be the 51st inmate put to death by lethal injection in Georgia. His co-defendant, Robert Butts, was number 49. He was executed for the crime last year on the very same charges. Remember, their victim, Donovan Parks, was a prison guard just like his dad. He was a Jehovah's Witness, and he arrived at Walmart straight from Bible study. His dad says he planned to go to college eventually with hopes of studying to be a prison psychologist. You see, Donovan Parks wanted to help the men that he saw locked up. Instead, it was his simple act of kindness that got him killed. Donovan's dad, Fred, is 77 now. He plans to witness this execution just like he did when Robert Butts died in 2018. And this next part really is heartbreaking. It's a cruel twist of fate. It was actually Fred who came across Donovan's body and called the sheriff back in 1996. The scene was so bloody, he thought someone had been hit by a car. He didn't even realize it was his own son. Fred thought that he found a victim of a hit and run lying in the street. He called for help, doing what any good Samaritan would. He must have assumed his son was safe at church or maybe taking care of that cat. Only later... When Donovan's body was identified, did his father get the notification that the body he found in the road was his son? The only way they were able to match the body with Donovan Parks was by his jewelry, specifically the initials imprinted on his class ring, Baldwin High School, class of 1990. Donovan was the only person in his class with the initials DCP. His father hasn't spoken often about that night, But we did find these interviews with his dad and other family members. They were recorded more than 20 years ago. The the last night that I I talked with him, that's where he was going to take care of something for the cat. And and we ain't seen him no more. And it's it's really been devastating to me, you know. 
because, you know, I'd be looking for one to come in. And uh, I'd go back there to his room. He ain't back there. Gangs, I, I just don't understand it, people. They did not have to do it. They could have found some other thing to do. They could have took whatever they wanted from him and went on. They could have, they could have asked me for mine. I'd have given it to him for a life. And he'd have hurt me for somebody to take this child off and just make him lay down and, and just shoot him like he was a snake. It just hurt me to my heart because I know he had to be trying to help them to get somewhere that they wanted to go. It is so hurting. It hurts so bad because it wasn't an accident. It, it wasn't a car wreck. It was just somebody asked for a ride. He took him home. They took his life. And the gang, it's just their thing, their way of getting initiated into nothing. Because what they're doing is nothing. We hope to speak with Donovan's family more this week. Will being in the room when Wilson is executed bring them peace? Christopher Parks will be in that room too. He was 19, the same age as Marion Wilson, when Wilson and Robert Butts gunned down his older brother Donovan. I just keep picturing it was right around nine o'clock the last time I saw him and I think back to a lot of times when my mother was alive, she told me, she said, you never know when you leave the house, when you come back and everything made them change. And for the second time within nine months, it was true. When I graduated, I left, and when I came home, my mother had passed, and when I left home again, I came back and my brother was gone. So it, to a certain extent, it has me afraid to leave home now. Somebody offered me to be in that same gang. And I told him, I said, instead of getting killed with you, I said, if I get in the gang and go home, my mama's going to kill me. So I'm not going to get in. And I left it at that. It's not a part of me. I have nothing to do with it. I, my family, they, I love them and they love me enough that I know if I got in something like that, that they would look at me differently. And I really care about what they think about me. Like any brother, I miss, miss arguing with him. He ain't gotten a lot of good fights. Now, Christopher is 42. He's lived more years without his brother Donovan than with him. He plans to sit in the execution room when Marion Wilson is killed by lethal injection. Will his pain finally be over after all these years? It's just four days away. That's when Marion Wilson is set to be put to death. For more than 20 years, Wilson has denied that his gang involvement had anything to do with the murder of Donovan Parks. But Wilson never denied being in a gang. In fact, he sort of bragged about it at the time. According to the DA, he said that he was so high up in the Folk Nation gang that he had absolutely nothing to prove and no one to kill. That security footage at the gas station identified both Wilson and Butts pretty quickly. Wilson was arrested four days after the murder. Police tracked him down when he showed up at the courthouse on another charge, DUI. That's when they booked him on the murder charges. But Robert Butts' arrest was a lot more dramatic. 
He had to be pulled out of his grandmother's closet when police showed up for him. Both men turned on each other when they were questioned by police. They even blamed the other for the shooting. And even though only one of them pulled the trigger, both Robert Butts and Marion Wilson were sentenced to death. Despite years of appeals, the charges stuck. Robert Butts was put to death a year ago. Marion Wilson is scheduled to die next. If nothing changes between today and Thursday night, he's scheduled to be the 1500th person killed under the death penalty since the United States reinstated it in 1976. I am slated to watch as the media witness in the execution chamber, which brings a lot of mixed emotions for me as a reporter. I couldn't get through it without the help of my team. We're a group of journalists called Atticus. We got our name from a quote by Atticus Finch himself in To Kill a Mockingbird. Best way to clear the air is to get it all out in the open. That's our mantra. And that's exactly what I want us to do in these days leading to the execution. But first, Atticus needs to know what's coming. I wanted to talk to all of you guys and let you know uh, something that's happening this week. I was selected to witness an execution here in Georgia. Before taking that on, I think it's really important as a journalist for me and especially for us as a team to do our due diligence to really learn everything we can and truly dig on this to find out exactly why it's happening and what happened and and that everything is going as is decided by our legal system. Jeremy, how does it make you feel being chosen? I'm nervous about it and I'm nervous about getting it right. It feels like something that can't be taken lightly. And uh, I'm a little nervous about what I'll see too. Jeremy, why do you think it's important for us as journalists to document events like this? It's important to make sure that things are going the way they were ordered by the courts in a humane way, in a way that our justice system has approved. Things can go wrong. I've covered stories where it certainly has and where things have been botched and someone's been in that execution chamber and then whisked out because there was a problem with the medication. And it, it's our job to, to make sure everything is performed correctly and to make sure that the public knows what happens and knows this is going on. The death penalty in America is something everyone has an opinion about. Hopefully by witnessing this, I'll better understand why people are so for and why they're so against it. In just four days, I'll be watching the death penalty carried out from the execution chamber. But first, we have to learn more about the man scheduled to die, Marion Wilson. He's been behind bars for 23 years, and I just found out he has a 23-year-old daughter. It hurts so much. My daddy is my world, y'all. You'll hear from her in the next episode. Oh, and something else. We still don't know for certain if it was Robert Butts or Marion Wilson who fired the shot that killed Donovan Parks. Let me explain. Remember, I told you that both men turned on each other when questioned by police. They each blamed the other for the shooting, even though only one of them pulled the trigger. And this is the part that just doesn't make a ton of sense. Both Butts and Wilson were tried separately. 
In both cases, District Attorney Fred Bright told jurors that the man on trial fired the fatal shot. However, that's impossible because it was only one shot and just one gun, a single-barreled sawed-off shotgun. It's highly unlikely that both Wilson and Butts pulled the trigger together. So both juries thought they were sentencing the gunman to death, but it's very probable that only one jury was actually convicting the gunman. One of the men on trial was offered a plea deal that could have had him out by now. That's next on number 1500, streaming now. <laughs> 